0: Welcome back to the show. Last week, an article appeared in the Cauldron, a Sports Illustrated-sponsored news source describing the world of lacrosse, a sport that has seen an incredible rise in popularity but has seen drastic decreases in attendance on championship weekends since 2007. Joining with us today is Eamon McEnany, a longtime ESPN analyst who's covered the game of lacrosse for 10 years, has called Final Four games for the last five and it's done play-by-play on the sidelines for basketball and football as well. Eamon, thanks so much for joining us today.
1: Uh, you got it. Thanks for having me on.
0: No problem. No problem. So, Eamon, the article gave three reasons for dwindling attendance on championship weekend. Uh, the first one was costs. Uh, the second one was fan involvement. They're basically citing television, uh, Memorial Day weekend as like a family weekend. And, of course, the third is the nomadic change of the venue each year. Uh, basically, what's your ideas? What's your response Uh, to an article like this and the dwindling attendance uh, on championship weekend over the years?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's check, check, and check. I mean, they got it all down. I mean, it's it's a problem for the sport, and someone has to uh, realize it and come to grips with it and realize that this is an event they have to promote. I mean, you know, we're pretty old in the sport of lacrosse. We go way back. It's not like you know the middle 80s when we loaded up the family truckster in New Canaan or wherever we were from. <laughs> no, but I mean, look, you look, Andy. You know, when you grew up, that was your chance. Well, you were older at that time, but that was my one chance in '88, '89 to see the Gates. Now, if Gary Gates yeah. played at Syracuse, you'd see him ten times on TV. So you wouldn't have that need to load up and go down. Now, they still do. Don't get me wrong. I still think, even though the numbers are down, it's still a pretty popular event. I would guess that outside of the NCA Men's Final Four, it's the most popular championship that the NCA puts out there. Um, I think the football stadium has lost its novelty, but unfortunately I don't know what that next alternative is because I, yep. I don't think there's that perfect – 20,000-seat stadium anymore. I mean, Rutgers, even if you put it in Rutgers now, where it used to be when we were younger, um, or even Annapolis, it would look somewhat empty. I think Annapolis would be the perfect next stop because I've done a couple of football bowl games there, and I know what it's like now there to see that place packed. But you have to move it off Memorial Day because they have graduation there on Memorial Day weekend, and obviously you're not moving that graduation. I think it's a little bit of everything. I think TV has saturated it, so the novelty of going down a championship weekend to see yep. someone is worn off. I think certainly the ticket prices have hurt all kinds of sporting attendances. And I'm not so sure about the um, – Nomadic, I've never thought about that one. I think that's good. I don't necessarily enjoy every place they put it. I'm not going to alienate any fan I might possibly have in those areas right now, but we all know there are certain stadiums that are easier to get to. Um, So I know one person once said to me, baseball is always in Omaha. Why can't we just always have it in Baltimore? And that's an interesting theory because Baltimore by far is the best place to have it because of the proximity from all the hotels and, you know, restaurants to the stadium. You could get that, go down there with your family, park your car Friday evening and not see it till you leave on Monday evening. But at the same point, how many times is a fan of, from Philadelphia supposed to be asked to go down to Baltimore and, you know, vice versa? I think it's good for the sport that we move it around.
0: You know, I, I agree with you. Uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not completely sold that the geography reason is that uh, applicable. Um, you know, I, I would argue... That really, how well the games are now broadcasted. You know, it was one thing when it was Lee Bellsmo You know, ten years ago, you get the car and go to the Final Four. Sorry, Lee, had to screw you. Uh, But the reality is, is now that we've got, you know, you, Quint, Clark, we got three guys that all played Division One college cross that understand the game, know how to communicate it efficiently to the educated crowd the old school blue bloods of the sport, but also the, the, you know, the newer people to the sport, you know, frankly, I, I I don't, uh, there's not an event I like more than the final four in men's lacrosse. I like it better than the super bowl, better than NCAA March madness, but I would rather sit on my couch and listen to you guys announce the game and be able to play 45 minutes of golden tea and go real low in between <laughs> the games, right? You know that's that that's that's so I so I feel like the fact that the success of it from a you know a broadcasting perspective it, 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 it seems to play a role. I mean, it, you said the word saturated, you know. Uh, right. if, if that's the case, why doesn't that affect the other sports in the same way? Um, does,
1: well. Again, you know, I go back to, you know, I haven't done the exact numbers. I know a few years ago when we were getting ready to do the NCAA tournament and they were explaining the seedings and, you know, the, the geography to us. They Now, I don't know if this is still true, but it wasn't that long ago. We were told that there's only two NCAA championships that make money, the men's basketball tournament and the men's lacrosse tournament. So I still right. think it's pretty popular. Uh, I definitely think, to your point, I think the, the – um, Improvements in television and high defs and the you know smart TVs and what, what you're able to see on TV is impacting the attendance at all sports right now and certainly I think lacrosse takes it takes a hit but you know my bosses will say to you if that's the case how come there aren't a million Andy Towers how come our ratings haven't seen a, a spike on championship weekend I, I think it's a whittling away at the whole sport I think you could also argue that because of the parity now the quarterfinals. Have become as good as a Final Four. I mean, look at any. Oh, yeah. 50%. I mean, look at any. Look at last year at Annapolis. We had Syracuse, Johns Hopkins, Navy, North Carolina. That's a legit awesome Final Four, no matter what year, let alone a quarterfinal. Yeah. I mean, imagine we had that in 1988 right. when we were in high school. We're there. You know, I mean, that's. And, you know, a couple of years ago in Indianapolis, we had Denver, North Carolina, Notre Dame, Duke. That's a Final well, Four. You know, so I think that's Right. Go ahead. I'm just saying, if you're like no. in Philadelphia a couple of years, we had Virginia. Notre Dame and you know, Colgate, you know, is a Cinderella against Duke. But you know, if you're a fan in Philadelphia, mainline kid, you go to Penn Charter High School, and you, you know, pony up for that game. You're going to now pony up the next week to go right back down to Baltimore. You're not.
0: Yeah, it's very that's good point.
1: Very, I, I very would
0: true. say that I, I would say a million Andy Towers would certainly put a lot of pressure on the female race. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this race is the right word. I don't know. On that group, <laughs> we'll say that group. yeah Amy I and you know just kind of piggybacking on kind of what you alluded to I mean how far away are we from seeing lacrosse on major television networks? I mean, you know you mentioned uh you know the the ratings kind of declining each year, but how far really are we from seeing it on cBS NBC Fox ABC like we see the big four sports in football basketball uh and hockey um you know how far are we?
1: Uh, you guys are gonna make me real popular at the on dinner tonight. After I give you my answer, like this. <laughs> holy moly, I might, I might have to wear a disguise. Uh, uh. But look look, here, here's – you know, look, we are – no one carries more games than ESPN. We cover the championships. We're opinionated. We're the most visible guys. So, Quint, Paul, and myself get lit up on Twitter, especially at this point of year, because everyone wants to know how come Hopkins Loyola isn't on TV. How come Syracuse Albany isn't on TV. And here – no one's co- really coming after us. I got news for you. You know, a couple of years ago we heard that NBC Sports, you know, their cable channel and the Ivy League had a deal. They ran away faster from that deal than Jesse Owens did in Berlin. There is no coverage of the Ivy <laughs> League on the NBC Sports Network. And, you know, here's what I – look, you know, you no one loves – well, I shouldn't say it, but I love the game of lacrosse. I think it can be great on TV. You know, when I watch the Gates, when the game's played quickly, you know, it's tremendous. I don't – you know, so I think it can work on television. But what I, if it's such a great product and ESPN doesn't want to show Albany against Syracuse in the Dome with Lyle Thompson last year – because they want, they'd they rather show a basketball game. How come no other network is there running to pick it up? You know, there's a right. network out there that owns the rights to the Patriot League. The Patriot League. If you own the rights to the Patriot League, but you can't find a two-hour window on a weekend to show Johns Hopkins at Loyola, that's all you need to know about the state of lacrosse on television. I think the sport has to do one thing, one major thing, if they really care about growing on television and growing in attendance, and they have to push the season back at least two weeks. You are playing a month of good games where nobody cares because they're all immersed in hoops. I had a coach last year of a very good team, a very entertaining team, tell me that in February he can't even get his scores in the local paper because they only have room for high school hoops. That's all you need to know. Push the season wow. if you care. And if you really, you know, if want to get on TV more, you got to push the season back because – You're not going to get on over a basketball game. You're just not. I don't care who you are. Like I said, we had Syracuse-Albany last year, Lyle Thompson in the Dome, and it was only on locally on Time Warner Cable up in Syracuse. So it's still at that niche level. I mean, just think about it. You know, you want to talk about people always complain, oh, you guys show so much softball. Softball is played in every high school in America. Lacrosse is what? You guys know better than I do. You work at the youth level. You recruit kids. What do you got, 25% maybe? Of yeah, we'll say, expanding,
0: we'll say expanding quickly. Expanding. It's expanding quickly, but you know, the bottom line is
1: you know, if a guy in uh, Wyoming is flipping around and he sees lacrosse, he has no idea what he's watching. He knows at least that he's watching softball or his daughter might play. I'm just saying you, you, it's still at that niche level. And the crazy thing about TV, and this is where I might get in trouble with my bosses, is that you need to earn support. You know, yep. you need to you need to earn you need to show that there is a growth in your ratings so that they'll pump it up, so that they'll show it on Sports Center, so that they'll take an ad in the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times or the Baltimore Sun. Or it's worth SportsCenter Center to let you know that the best player in the country of a quote unquote white sport is an African American, you know, who turned down mid major basketball offers to play at Duke. You know? I mean that you need to show people that if you did a story on Casey Carroll coming back from four years in the army fighting a war is a father of two married, but still wants to play one more year at Duke, which would be an unbelievable, compelling story. You have to make them say that people will watch it. You have to show them who will watch it so that then they will then promote your games on Saturday and Sunday. You know, you just have to find a way to crack that ice. And someone involved in the sport has to figure that out, how to do that.
0: Uh, So I was just going to follow up with that is, is, so in terms of your producers and what they deem should be on TV, do you think maybe they just don't know? Do you think that they don't know that Lyle Thompson is such a dynamic player? He's the next Mikey Powell to know that. Yes, they don't know. Should you look at. They and, don't and know. And whose responsibility is that to tell them, or how do we do that as a, a lacrosse base to let them know that this is what we want to see?
1: Well, I mean, you have to watch more. I mean, that's it. Right. I mean, if we watched more, they would give us more. You know, they're not going to go to the mattresses to find a two-hour window for Lyle Thompson because that's still not going to rate more than, you know, mid-American basketball or Ohio Valley Conference basketball. We just, as a sport, need to find a way. Now, my argument is, well, if you pump the snot out of Lyle Thompson the way you did Johnny Manziel or Tim Tebow or, you know, any other star, you would get compelled. People would be compelled to learn more about him. And the other thing that hurts – here's the other thing, is that our lacrosse schedule – is also sort of dictated by the conferences. Okay? And Lyle Thompson was not in a major conference. Lyle Thompson played in the America East and they didn't have a football package or a great basketball package whereas the ACC, the Big 10 and at the at one point the Big East, you know, they wanted to keep those conferences happy so they would show their games in the spring. You work out deals. So if you want the Big 10, the Big 10 will say, "Okay, we'll give you Again, I'm sort of venturing out of my uh, expertise here, but if you want X sure. amount of football games, we need Y amount of lacrosse games, and, you know, that America East doesn't have that. So
0: obviously while we're all eager to see it and asking the questions of why, it's not on the you know, it's not on you know the major networks at this point. I mean, I certainly consider ESPN a major network. It's not your traditional, you know, Channel Two, Channel Four, Channel Five, Channel Seven, like it was in the '70s when I was growing up. Right. Um, you know, but but the the continuation, obviously, expansion of youth across across the country has to be in place before people will really even consider, uh, you know, putting it putting it on the major networks. I mean, right. until I mean, we're way ahead of where we were, aiming when you and I were in, you know, youth lacrosse. But uh, but we still have a long way to go before we're even considering, you know, putting it on there ahead of, as you said, softball or some of these other more national sports.
1: I mean, I think that's a sport in a nutshell all over the place. But somehow someone has to find a way – to make that 10-year-old in Minnesota you know, who's picking up the sport for the first time, whose dad doesn't know about it, his mom doesn't know about it, that just for some reason it appeals to him because it's faster than baseball, yada, yada, yada. How does that 10-year-old find out that Johns Hopkins is playing North Carolina this Sunday at noon on ESPNU, other than listening to this podcast and hearing me just pump it up myself? Or (laughs) how does he care that he wants to root for Ryan Brown or Miles Jones or Matt Cavanaugh? The amazing thing I've learned about the sport of lacrosse um, and you guys have been involved in it your whole life. And, you know, you go to these you – know, you watch the work and the effort of, you know, City Lacks or, you know, I, I don't want to leave anyone out. But the amazing thing about lacrosse, I find, is the commitment and the passion that people who love lacrosse at passing that game on to players. You know, I've done this, as you mentioned, for about a decade. If I find a Ryan Hurley from Minnesota or a Snyder from Seattle – or, you know, another guy, you're like, well, how did that guy from, you know, Tennessee become a Division One player? It's because someone from the East Coast who played in high school and played in college moved to that area and started a youth league and created, you know, right. practice, right? So we are tremendous as a sport, not me, at creating players. We don't do enough as a sport to create fans. And whose responsibility is that. I don't know, you know, I'm sure if you talk to a coach, Andy, you sat in that chair, you got nine million other things to worry about than getting the student body out to the game. You got nine million other things to worry about than getting the local youth league out to a game. If you do, six weeks of your schedule's played under snow or lousy conditions, so who's gonna come out and watch anyway? (laughs) It's true though. I mean look we got lucky as heck as a sports as a sport last weekend that all those games were played in great conditions. You know? I mean so um, but the thing is, like, somewhere, someone in this sport is going to have to become interested in creating fans because all these kids across the country, City Lacks, Harlem Lacrosse League, you know, uh, Owls in Chicago, who are, how do you get them to make sure they're home at 2 o'clock on a Saturday afternoon to watch Duke, North Carolina, so they can root for Miles Jones or Gutterding or whoever, you know, or Perkovic if they want to watch Notre Dame? We have to create fans because those are the people who want to watch.
0: Well, fans naturally will Absolutely. come from people that have a familiarity with the sport. So, as you know, as it spreads across the youth and those guys get older uh, and come back, uh, you know, obviously they're going to be more interested in. Are we impatient, irresponsibly impatient, as a, you know, as a group? Seeing that, looking at the NHL, the NBA, the NFL, Major League Baseball, they all were around. They've all been around for a really, really long time. And, you know, for us as a lacrosse group, we've really seen a major uptick in the coverage, in the media coverage, you know, probably since the Gates probably started it, but it's really, really kicked in in the last, you know, 10 years, uh, 15 years, whatever it may be. Are we being impatient? You know, Uh, is it unrealistic?
1: Yes. I mean, talk about it. I mean, it wasn't that long ago, you know, that you didn't get anything on TV. Now, I almost think sometimes we... Give too much. Like I remember, there was one weekend. uh, Rob Pinnell was his his senior year, so he was at the Big City Classic against Princeton. Notre Dame was playing Syracuse that same day. North Carolina was no wait. I'm going to Friday night
0: was playing Hopkins.
1: Friday night, Friday night with the ACC semifinals. Saturday, I think it was Notre Dame, Syracuse, Princeton, Cornell. Cornell had Lang. Cornell was a legit top team, and uh, Cornell had Pinnell. Princeton had Tommy Shriver. Oh, Shri- Notre yeah. Dame was playing Syracuse. Then Sunday you had Hopkins-Loyola and the ACC championship. So that's six legit games, right? Right. So if you're a big-time lacrosse fan, are you going to sit and watch all six? Are you going to weave in through all six all weekend? If you take like three of those off, you have to watch one of them, I almost think. I don't know if our sport is at the place yet to support six games like that. I think it's tremendous for a guy like Andy Towers, who if you're off that weekend, you can bump in and out of all six games, you can get locked into one. We think that's awesome. But if you only put one on, then every lacrosse fan in America would have to watch the one. Now, again, I don't know if that's smart programming. What do I know? I've never sat in that chair. But it's almost like... There's too much on it. Now, that's one weekend that's a little crazy, but I'm just saying that's, you know, we've gone from nothing, right? The one I always say to Paul Carcaterra when we've had too many soda pops and our flight's delayed, we've gone from a man who was starving to an unlimited (laughs) pass at Ponderosa. Sooner or later, you get sick and tired of Ponderosa.
0: That's an
1: incredible – that's an incredible – The stuff that comes out when you're waiting for the Delta flight home is, you know, is is, is insightful. (laughs) Put put Plato to shame. Especially with Clark, but
0: especially yeah. with Clark, and true wordsmith. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, uh, so, uh, the Loyola, uh, no, sorry, the Hopkins Navy game um, had twenty thousand fans on the Patriot, uh, twenty thousand viewers. Is that yeah. significant enough? I mean, you're dry, You're telling us, you know, first off, I'll take that challenge, Amon. I'll take that challenge. You know, I do. You're one hundred percent right. I'm calling myself. Out. I I feel like I do a great job developing a lacrosse player, but I suck at, you know getting these kids to be fans of the game of lacrosse. And I'm going to take that challenge on. Andy and I will take that challenge on. Um, so I appreciate that immensely. But, you know, 20,000 people watching the Navy Hopkins game because, you know, the, the winter it was, it was, you know, it was cold and there was yep. a lot of snow, whatever. You know, is that enough? Is, is that a significant to say for ESPN and all these networks? to be like, oh, my God, 20,000 people just watched a Tuesday Night Lacrosse game that was streamed from the major league. Is that yep. significant or is that not
1: Uh, you know, any answer I would give you about that, about numbers would be guessing. I mean, I was kind of impressed by that. I was one of them. You know, I joked this weekend that I watched so much lacrosse on the computer that my sons told me I had to read when it was all done. I mean, I I didn't move, you know, I mean, (laughs) I got into it, you know, and I got into that Navy Hopkins game, but I don't know if 20,000 is a big number. All all I know is that the final four is not, we don't get a big number. And I also think, I think it's got to move off Memorial Day. I just think with that thrill, that allure of spending Memorial Day weekend, you know, with your youth team or your high school buddies or your college team has gone, you know, it's just not working anymore. I think they, move it, they need to move it back for a variety of reasons. I think the fact that it's on a holiday hurts. I think the fact that you're cramming a season in now with all these conference tournaments, you know, you're cramming 10 pounds of lacrosse into a five-pound bag. Uh, they got to try to move it off Memorial Day. And then I really think they need to take a look at maybe smaller venues, but not until they try MetLife Stadium. They have to try New York before they quit. I don't want to hear about Denver or Foxborough. I know I'm biased because I'm a New Yorker, but, you know, Andy, you're you're probably an hour drive growing up New Canaan. You take, you know, where the face-off X would be. And drive a, and draw a circle radius of 60 miles, one hour drive. You don't need anyone from Baltimore to trek up. You got enough lacrosse fans in that metropolitan area right now that you would produce a killer event and people would have to pay attention to it.
0: I, I agree. I agree 100%. I agree 100%. If Amy, back to the back to moving championship weekend. Um, you know, obviously, if we, if they were to move it back, um, what do you what do you anticipate the pushback? Would be from the coaches. What's, I don't I'm think it's the coaches that.
1: anymore. I don't think it's the coaches at this point. I think it's the school administrators and athletic directors. From what I've heard, again, this is all word of mouth. I just think it's they don't want you know eight teams hanging around with no school. That costs them money, you know. And I think you know if you know, let's just say if you're Holy Cross and your team wins the Patriot League and they're hanging around for an extra month, you have to pay for 45 guys to hang around, and they don't want that. Now, now look. Uh, my argument is, you're talking about what eight schools out of now 65. You know, right. I mean, what, what's the goal here? I mean, Andy, you were in coaching. You sat down there with athletic directors. You know what, administrators? What's the goal of a Division One non-revenue sport? Right? It's to, it's to you make, know whatever. make, sure, you make get,
0: sure make sure they stay out of trouble off the right. field. Right, make sure they have a good season where the parents aren't calling in to complain.
1: Right, and, uh, and, and you know and they and, have a well-rounded uh, experience and they're not just a bunch of book, right. bookworms. You know all that. So it's not really lacrosse's goal to make money. Is the, what they're going to tell you. Because what other what sport makes money? The only sports that make money are the big two, and those schools are allowed Then those programs are allowed to do whatever they want because they make money. Right. So we we'll look. We'll look at a basketball schedule of even a good academic school, and you take a look at where they go during finals in November and December. It's a joke. But, right. you know, right. my argument is baseball. Baseball plays till forever. So why why is it all right for baseball, but we can't push it back two weeks for lacrosse? I think it's going to have to. I think the coaches are going to have to come together on that one and just storm the gate, so to speak, because even now they're coming around, I think. Now, again, I don't know well, the impact they have, you know, the juice they have with their ADs, but it just it has to go, go back. It has to go back two weeks.
0: And I, and I, and I think they have to also cement – Uh, a starting date of no sooner than, you know, like you said, probably the the middle of February at the earliest. Because even if you pushed the NCAA championship back, you know, a week or two, guys are still going to play the first week in February, you know, unless you say to them, you cannot schedule games, you know, before this date, no matter what. They're going to start immediately. Once those kids come back from the second semester of school, they're going to start. They're looking to get every advantage that they could possibly get, you know, uh, seeing that their, again, right. family's quality of life is connected to them being successful. So I, I think they have, to, they have to do both if they're, if they're going to do well. Uh, I
1: mean, the other problem is, I mean, look, uh, you know, the conferences now are a huge deal, and conference tournaments are a huge deal, and everyone needs to backpedal their schedule or from that. I mean, I, Hopkins Navy Hopkins-Navy in Maryland is a huge game. And you're playing it on a Tuesday night in February. What ten-year-old in Annapolis, let alone Baltimore, Saverna Park, wherever, to, I don't even, you know, is going to go to that game on a Tuesday night in February? You're just playing that game right. to get it done. You know, they got Sorry, really right. lucky this weekend that they had a beautiful weekend, so they had a great atmosphere. But you're playing these games to get them done, so you can play in your Big Ten tournament, your Patriot League tournament. They all have them now. And you know that's the most important thing. So if you push everything back, then there's no need to play on February 1st. I get your point. Every coach is going to try to find every advantage, especially now in lacrosse, because you know you got you know you got these young whippersnappers who want to tell you that they got up at five in the morning to watch film and that you know they read Urban Meyer's book and they know that you know it's win win win. And I'm just I'm going off on a tangent here, but you know you're absolutely right. They're going to try to find every edge they can. But if you, if you push the season back two weeks, you're not going to want to play because all you're going to do is get your kids hurt. I think, but. it, yeah. it it has to be pushed back at least two weeks for a variety of reasons.
0: Well, certain, I certainly understands, you know, the element of kids getting hurt, but, you know, especially as you go north and it gets colder and colder. You know, it seemed like in Hanover when we were up there, it, it, it didn't get above 25 degrees until the middle of March, and that was right. six weeks into the season. And, you know, if the wrong people get hurt, at least for us, we turned into a Division Three team really fast. Right. Um, you know, so that's huge. Um, How about
1: this? Not to interrupt, but a buddy of mine's got a son on Holy Cross. So they don't make the Patriot League tournament. Their seat, because only the top four teams make the Patriot League tournament, no one's really dying about play Holy Cross like Syracuse will play Colgate after the Patriot League tournament. So their season's done. In Worcester, Mass., if your season's done in the middle of April, how many nice Saturdays do you think they had a chance to get out there, run around, and really enjoy the sport of lacrosse and play a game that was went the way we played it in high school? Maybe one if you're lucky. Right, right. I mean, disappointing. Yeah, it's tough. But
0: again, yeah. it's it uh, it is what it is, and I think until the sport is generating enough money where you know the NCAA looks up and 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 is interested by it, I, I think we're just talking about changes that need to happen.
1: Thousands percent. Um, and
0: and, and again, it, it, it parallels the you know the pace of the recruiting process these days. And for the betterment of the sport, you know the coaches had been getting in the room for a long time, saying, "How do we put the brakes on this?" And it sounds like both the women's and the men's coaching IMLCA and IWLCA groups have decided that you know while they're going to petition the NCAA, the hope is that if the NCAA says, "Look, we we get what you're saying, we don't really care," the hope is that they're they're going to be able to. Uh, you know, to 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 push it through on their own, although we'll
1: right. see. Uh, I mean, I'd love to tell you the insight on that one, but, I mean, uh, I always get a kick out of having those conversations, and, you know, I always hear, well, if the guy in Baltimore doesn't do it, I won't do it. If the guy in Charlottesville doesn't do it, I won't do it. If the guy in Durham won't do it, I won't do it. If the guy in Chapel Hill doesn't do it, I, you know, yeah, just, just don't do it. The, I no question. Well,
0: I, I and, mean, and, you're hurting yourselves. And, and,
1: and then I'll talk to another coach, you know, the sort of the – mid-majors, for lack of a better term, I'm like, how'd you get that guy? It's like everyone else was closed or everyone else was full. You know, the, so, I mean, the you know, the Bryants of the world, the Cleveland States of the world when they get there, the Richmans of the world, those guys are living off mistakes. I don't know how many there are because I don't follow recruiting. You know, I don't know who's getting hyped up nowadays anymore, but the, they'll get guys who, you know, who has a huge junior or senior year and the big boys can't take them because they're all full. So I, I don't necessarily think – I don't go on a crusade on that one or a soapbox. I know Quint does, and that's fine. But if the big boys are going to kill each other, I, the NCAA needs to save them from each other. I, I, you know, let, let it play out. I mean, I agree with you. I think it's disgusting that a 15-year-old has to, is committing to schools you know, when he hasn't played a varsity game. But I, I don't think you can legislate that. That's their own fault.
0: Now, the, only, the only thing I would argue about that is if it's a 15-year-old or a 14-year-old and they're committing to a top – Academic institution, right? You know, to 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 me, (laughs) who's losing there? I I don't think. I mean, I I hope that James Towers and Ty Towers have that problem. I hope they're so unfortunate to be offered support, you know, at Notre Dame or an Ivy League school or Duke or Georgetown or Virginia or one of those top-notch academic schools. Where it's disappointing is when you get a kid that's you know uh, has a great academic profile or is a very very smart kid who does well in school who could go to know, a much stronger academic institution that decides, you know, unfortunately at a young age to go to, you know, lacrosse state instead of, uh, you know, help you get a premier first choice job state. Right. You know, that's, that's, that's the problem.
1: Oh, no, uh, there, 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 there are definitely problems. I'm not going to argue that it's not that it's ideal. I'm just saying, you know, as a sports fan, not necessarily a lacrosse fan, but as a sports culture, for lack of a better term, we always say, you know, in every other sport, oh, the NCAA just gets in the way. They don't know what they're doing. They have too many rules. But now here in lacrosse, right. we want the NCAA to come save the coaches from themselves from offering an eighth grader that's who's right. six, six, but, you know, hasn't even been on a problem. date yet.
0: I, I uh, the, the, the uh, guess greater, the greater point is tough to justify holding the gun to a, a, a head of a 15-year-old to say, look, we need to know by Friday. Otherwise, we're going on the kid that we like second best.
1: Right, And uh, that, yeah, that, no. they
0: shouldn't have to be under that kind of duress, you know, regardless of, I guess, the quality of the institution that's offering them. That's I'll, a, I'll back a little back bit on that. Thousand percent, right? If, if, if it's going to be the most important decision in most cases that they're going to make for themselves, you know, with the insight of their parents and those who care about them, you hate to have them make it under that kind of duress. So, uh, good point. Good point. Uh, so, uh, last hey, question hey, we'll, we'll, yeah, to wrap up. Go ahead. To wrap up, uh, what was the greatest game you ever called?
1: Notre Dame Albany quarterfinal uh, at Hofstra two seasons ago. Notre Dame wins in overtime yep. with Matt Cavanaugh. I mean, everyone will tell me I'm biased, but that place was packed, and it felt like <laughs> it felt like a New York City event because as many big time lacrosse fans were there. They were there to see the Thompsons. The Thompsons didn't disappoint, and you know the Irish didn't either because I, you know. Uh, you know that's my school, but even even when I go see Coach Corrigan or some of the players on that team, they thanked me for writing them off in the third quarter and said the Danes are on their way to Baltimore. So even though it's one of my bigger mistakes, uh, it was definitely you know one of those games where you were on your edge of your seats. So I think that one uh, definitely, as far as calling, jumps out. Uh, the Hughes Bryant game so. in the dome in the first round definitely because uh, it just you know you don't get too many buzzer beaters so to speak, and to see that kid make a save like that. Uh, and I don't think F. that win's been put in perspective, you know, enough uh, because, you know, you, Andy, you can tell me you played in the late 80s, early 90s. It's just unheard of to have a team like Bryant. And I, you know, and I know I just put some more fuel on Coach Pressler's motivations because we don't give him respect. <laughs> but, uh, you know, a school such as Bryant, I'll leave it at that, to go into the Carrier Dome and win. And that was not a bad Q's team. That was, I think, a number one seed. You know, that, that, no, that night it, was pretty ridiculous. What well,
0: the faceoff guy went, I think 24 for 24, something crazy like that. I mean, there are no more of those, you know, what we call point games where right. you're playing a team that you know you're going to win by 15 goals. Uh, that there's just, there's just too many great high school players playing across the country for opportunities to play at the division one level. And nowadays, you know, there, there really aren't. That many surprises.
1: Here's the sport in a nutshell. That I, you know, and it's you know my professional career. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't get to call football games without lacrosse. I'm very well aware of where I stand. But you know, here we are sitting here about why isn't it this? Why isn't it that? uh, But now you have where Marquette in Milwaukee, Wisconsin can be a legit top 20 tournament contending team. You're going to have Cleveland State at it. Wasn't that long ago? And Andy, you were in those coaches' meetings, I'm sure, where they were concerned that we were at a crisis point. Now we have schools added. They're not the marquee glamour names that, you know, some of us want, like, you know, why isn't Clemson in the ACC? Why can't BC or Northwestern get involved? But you're getting the Richmonds, you're getting the Cleveland States, and as long as they make right hires like Richmond and Marquette did, you know, you're getting solid programs that's only going to grow the sport. It's it's going to be, it's like turning around an ocean liner, as Andy Shea told me about taking over Yale, which is a great analogy that I, I like to use. But, and he's you know, turned it
0: around fast.
1: <laughs> oh no, he he has no he has
0: no doubt. I mean, right, and,
1: right. And uh, they've come inches away from breaking down that door and being that Final Four team. But uh, I'm just saying, you know, like slowly but surely, having Marquette play Duke in Milwaukee is going to create fans, and we're going to get there. It's just, you know, it's just taking I think a bit slower than we wanted. But you know, uh, the sport was in a crisis a few years ago at the D1 men's level as far as adding and now they've broken through at the smaller school level. The future of lacrosse isn't going to be Michigan State or Northwestern. It's going to be if Fordham or DePaul or, you know, that size jumps in.
0: Uh, Normally the last question that we have is, uh, you know, the opinion on moving championship weekend to a later date, and we had covered that obviously, so the last question, those to you as an MD alum is this their year and if it is why is this year different
1: you know the sport better than I do but I can't remember outside of some of those Syracuse teams that you know when they're headlined by the gates and uh, McCabe and Zelberti. but name a name a team that's had that three stars at every position now again there I don't think they are strong underneath them right now but you take a look at Perkovic as a junior Kavanaugh as a senior Landis as a senior You got maybe the three best players at their position. That's arguable, of course. I mean, Perkovic's not better than Miles Jones, but he's right. You know, he's probably right behind him. Right.
0: Um, Three first-team All-Americans for sure. Right. There you go.
1: Three first-team All-Americans. Three Towerton candidates. If you had a choice, and you know that's star power, and they've been knocking on the door, and they're all experienced now. It's not like Perkovic's a a wide-eyed freshman. But I think Right. right now they were a better team at the end of last year with guys like Connor Doyle. Um, Marlot and Acello. They lost some major contributors. So we look at the cover of Lacrosse Magazine and see the big three. You know, we want to write the stories now or never, which are very applicable. But um, you know, I think, they are the, I think they have the most star power in the country. Are they the best team? I think Denver's right there with them. I, I think they lost to Denver on that Saturday in Philly because they got dominated at the X early, and Denver got better goalie play. Not much has changed there. Now Denver's goalie is new. We're going to find out about him, but the be- the faceoff game still goes to Denver.
0: It does. There are certain opponents that that Notre Dame, you know, could be in trouble against. I, I don't. I don't disagree with you. You know, I think they obviously have uh, the star power. They've got, you know.
1: Well, let me ask you the something the, here. As long as we're talking, sure. This. I mean, because you played the position and you know how tough the sport is, especially when you're getting pulled and they're sliding to you when you get yep. off the bus. But yep. you watch Perkovic get five against the Duke team in the National Championship game. And then he gets yep. six or whatever he got in one quarter against Denver. And I just sit there and I go, as amazing as that is, I'm like, what's stopping him from doing that every game? And don't get me wrong, it's not like he, those are the only games he showed up. I mean, he's a first-team All-American. But he, at his size and that shooting ability, you know, you, you, I understand coaches don't want to tell me unguardable, especially as a midfielder, or unstoppable. But if he is as close... You know, I don't want to put him up there with Rabel in the gate sheet, you know, just yet because I don't think he has his complete passing game there. But, I mean, what's stopping him from getting five or six a game?
0: Well, let's let's see what happens. He obviously had a tremendous game against Georgetown this weekend that lit it up with four Gs, right? Right. Uh, you know, the game changes once you break out on a national level for you. Now, right. with Kavanaugh back, you know, let's just say, worst-case scenario, he's the second biggest concern on that team. What happens when teams start to shut him off with a pole, right. uh, you know, right. when he gets off the bus. Right. And now, how does he respond to that? Uh, that would be the major question that I have. Is he, right. is he quick enough to get open on his own? Is he going to go pick the ball? How does the team play, you know, when, when he's shut off by a pole or perhaps a very, very athletic short stick, and he goes and he picks the ball? Does the defensive team communicate that on a switch? Do they stay? You know, because – his num- his numbers may dwindle, but the team could end up more dynamic if he's able to use how the defenses prepare for him right. to the advantage of, of of Notre Dame's offense, so they're able to generate higher quality shots. Than if they didn't create special situation or junk up defenses, you know, to try to stop him in particular. It's 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 uh, it's going to be interesting to see how our response. I will say that you know Kevin and 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 Jerry. Uh, two of the best coaches in the very, in the country in the sport, you know these guys have done an unbelievable job and they're pushing and they're right they're they're knocking right on the door. But I think it always goes through Denver. It goes through Bill Tierney, and Bill Tierney just doesn't seem to lose many close games ever. Uh, although I think I could beat him at Golden Tee, uh, so it'll be <laughs> interesting to see what happens. It, it, uh, they'll be, be laying
1: in the weeds for sure. They'll they'll get their first couple of big games and then they go into the Big East and kind of hide. Although I think the Big if, East is going to be tougher, but if, yeah, Notre Dame either.
0: If, if Notre Dame doesn't doesn't get them, the only two teams that I see beating Notre Dame would be would be Denver and Baptiste or Syracuse and uh, and Ben Williams, where right. those guys win you know 70% of the face-offs. Notre Dame doesn't have to win 55%, but they they need to win 45%. They can't right. lose seven out of every ten face-offs and beat teams that are as athletic and have you know maybe better depth, even if they don't have better star players. So we'll see what happens.
1: Yes, we will. It'll be a fun year.
0: Thank you so uh, much, Damon. This
1: is, this is huge. This is <laughs> such a great, uh, this is hey, such I, great time.
0: Hey, before
1: you let me go, did I mention that we have Carolina at Hopkins noon on Sunday on ESPNU? <laughs> no,
0: but I'm definitely going to be tuning in for that. i
1: tuning in for that. <laughs> Damon, it.
0: thanks so much for coming, man. We know you're super busy. Good luck uh, at the Tewarton tonight. I'm sure you'll bang it up, and we love watching you. You're a great sport.
1: Uh, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. It should be a fun year. Looking forward to it.
0: When we return, AT and I will discuss this segment and wrap up with our picks for the weekend. If you didn't hear it already, a uh, challenge for everyone out there uh, don't, don't just make players, make fans. Uh, maximize your comfort. We'll be right back. <laughs>